Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Well, it's been over 20 years. Who can forget 9-11? If you were around that day, you'll never forget how you felt, what happened after it, and so forth. And yet, we're starting to hear people not making it as important as so forth. I think that's a huge mistake. And fortunately, we have somebody who was there, can tell us exactly what happened. They got a fascinating book. It's one Tuesday morning, and our guest is a nurse who lived through this entire thing. Her name is Catherine Dubrino. Catherine, welcome. I imagine you'll never forget how quickly life changed. What was that moment like when all of a sudden you realized, hey, something's different right now? Well, first we were in disbelief. We couldn't believe what was happening. And the communication was a little sketchy at that time, so we were getting all different reports about, you know, a helicopter hit the center, a small plane. And so at the hospital at the time, it went into a disaster mode, and we're just waiting for the incoming people to come. But we were very um, apprehensive of what was going on in the outside world. Oh, absolutely. And I guess there's also, in addition to, like, okay, people are coming, we don't know how many and so forth, there also was that whole idea of, how much more is going to happen? I mean, I remember the, the biggest feeling was like, well, is this it? Or are they going to be all over? Or is it going to be all over New York City? Or is it going to be all over the country? Yeah, that was true. Um, although we were, we were focused on New York, you were getting like, you hear like gossip going around. You know, they hit the, the Sears Tower in, in um, Chicago. All these moments were flying around. It was very disconcerting. Yeah, what is that like when you're waiting and so forth? Like you say, the rumors, and there's big rumors. Is that you all talking to yourselves, or do you just kind of keep reminding yourself, you know what, we'll deal with this because you're an emergency room nurse. We'll deal with it as it comes along. Yeah, but we were talking among ourselves what was happening outside, you know, anticipating the incoming um, wounded. Unfortunately, there weren't that many. Um, um, Initially, what was coming in was a lot of service personnel, like EMS firefighters, the police, and we were saying, oh, something's wrong here, why aren't we getting, like, regular civilians coming in? So, um, so, so that was in the back of our minds. All right, so run us through that day. As the day goes along, it never let up. I mean, were you, did you say, like, well, I don't need much sleep, I'll have to get by with as little as I can? No, no, I think we were, uh, we were full of adrenaline, I believe. We were running on that. Anticipation was coming in and helping the people, um... So I worked till probably 11.30 at night, started at 7. We just couldn't leave because the city went into lockdown at that point. And it took a, uh, you know, just, just the anticipation of everything. And, um, and then I finally got home, and it was kind of disbelief, waking up the next morning thinking, did this really happen? You know, and then had to go back into the city. And we were very, well, I wouldn't say fortunate, maybe the wrong word, but the only way we got into the city was showing our medical ID because it was in lockdown. So talk about that next day, because I'm thinking the next day, in some respects, had its own weirdness that was even different than the first day, because, okay, you know, it doesn't look like there's going to be more of these things, but it looks like there could be way more coming in. When is the when is it going to end and so forth? Yeah, well, um, 
the next day was sort of a regular day. Oh, of course, you know, we're anticipating people coming in. And you had regular people who are sick. The walking wounded, we call them, a little cuts, bruises, you know, this and that. But I had gone down to Ground Zero the next day with a group of other nurses and some doctors from our hospital. And we were treating some firemen with oxygen down there. And, um, and that's about it. It was very, um, like I say, um, surreal, walking in all that dust, the burnt-out buildings, the cars on top of cars, the military with the, you know, the, the guns around their chest and everything, not used to all that. So something that is etched in my mind, that scene. The book is fantastic. It's one Tuesday morning, and we'll tell people in a few minutes how they can get it. But I just want to talk with you. I think people need to read this book. You can't put it down. I want to get your take on the importance of keeping this memory. You know, at the time and for the next few years, it seemed like, oh, God, it's a moment we'll never forget. It's the Pearl Harbor moment and so forth. And yet I'm kind of worried. I kind of see people kind of, uh, eh, you know, it's there. Yeah, I remember it. It's not quite in there. Why do you feel it's so important to preserve this history that you were a part of? Yeah, well, I think any kind of major event um, we should remember in history. I know we kind of shrug things off. As time goes by, things fade, the feelings fade. But I think it's important for people to remember um, how we were as a nation at that time, a strong United Nation. People bonded together and came together and just showed our strength as a nation. We didn't waver. Um, and, you know, and, and, and showing respect for all our first responders, even to this day, because they're such remarkable people. Yeah, they were, and I recall at that time, uh, I had a real good friend who was the head of a fire department. I was living out in California at the time, mm-hmm. and I remember he would say he was talking to people in New York, and people were calling, they were crying and so forth, you know, and he said, unless you were there and these people that saw it firsthand and worked it, people like yourselves, you just can't understand the emotion there, and it's, you know, I get from listening to you is, boy, you hope we never see that again. Of course. I think that's with any, like, tragedy. Like, you know, you have the beat it to experience, to smell the air, you know, the dust was there, you know, to feel it, see the people's blank expressions in their faces that came in, especially the first responders. But it's like anything else. Like, you see tragedies on the TV all the time, like floods and fires. And, you know, unless you experience any kind of thing, you can empathize, but you don't have that true feeling about what's going on around you. You worked for 24 years in the business, as I recall reading, and I want to get your feel on the nursing profession because I've, I've seen a change over that time where we count on nurses more. You know, there's, there's kind of less doctors out there and so forth. Nurses are the people at the, the first level. They're crucial and so much responsibility. How have you seen the profession change from when you first got into it to now? Well, um, when I first got into it, um, you know, it, it, nursing is a hard work. I won't sugarcoat it. And all the, a lot of responsibility, get your orders from the doctors, and the nurse is the one who really takes care of that patient all the time. I, I think a lot of things happening with nursing is uh, putting them more to advanced practice nursing, which is great. But I think the staff nurse at the bedside nurse is, is a, a really crucial um, aspect of nursing. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I remember when my father had some heart issues and going through that at the at the hospital and so forth, it's really the nurse is the person you interact with the most. And quite frankly, when you're trying to keep your, your, your thoughts up and try to fight something like that, the nurse is really an important part of that in some regards, as important as the doctor. Of course, yes. We're, we're the patient's advocate. We're there to care for them, to comfort them. Um, you know, we, we clean them, give them their medications. You know, we're just their advocate, and we're always there for our patients. 
Well, Catherine, what would you like to see in the RN business in another 10 years or something? Is there is there something you'd like to see that you think could make this even more efficient? Because as you're saying, we're, uh, we're relying more on nurses. Well, I know like, there's a nursing shortage. Um, just that more people go into the profession and go in for it as a, as a like, um, not just as a career, but as a, as a calling. You know, you really need that calling to, to be a good nurse and a good birth ethic, which I think most, I think majority of nurses do have. And like I say, it's hard work today. I think a lot of young people take the easy way out with easier jobs, but it's the most rewarding work that I think you can ever have. Yeah, and is it something, too, that you need to have a certain amount of uh, defensiveness because you can get too caught up with it? Or is that something that just happens once you get in? If you go in for the right reasons, you'll be able to uh, get through some very difficult times. Oh, yeah. You usually get through it. It's part, of, it's part of the job. Then you have to not too thick a skin, but a lot of, have a lot of empathy. A lot of, like You need assertiveness, for sure. Um, and just being able to speak up for your patient's rights. You know, you've said that a couple of times, and I really like that because, boy, when you're in the when you're in the hospital and you're in a bed and you're not feeling well, uh, you need that advocate, and it's so important. Because even from sometimes from the doctors, I've seen nurses go in and go, "Hey, you know, this is important. We need to work with this person," and so forth. It just seems like uh, kind of the heart and soul of the hospital goes through the nursing staff. Of course, yes, because I came from a, I worked in a teaching hospital, so a lot of the times these new residents coming in, like you have to kind of guide them along, show them certain procedures, um, what to do, and um, you know you, you're the advocate. Like you could catch something on an EKG, say, "Hey, doc, look at this." You know what I mean? So we're very well educated nurses in that respect, and like I say, especially in this climate of healthcare, it's so fragmented. You rarely need a good advocate behind you. And finally. Medicine has seemed to go to the ways of technology. By that is, you know, if something hurts, first thing you do is go to WebMD or the Mayo Clinic and so forth. And those are all fine, although I, I, they don't replace the nurse by any means because you're talking in generalities. Is that something uh, you see RNs dealing with and you kind of have to, and, I, and the word isn't to fight it off, but it's kind of like you have to understand the way people think but get them back onto, okay, we're going to address this the old-fashioned way. We're going symptom by symptom and so forth. Well, I think, um, I know we, we go computerized nursing, um, uh, not nursing, you know, notes and everything. I think a lot of time you spend, like, just charting on, on your, you know, docu- documenting what you're doing for the patient. And it takes a time from that one-to-one um with the patient care, but always remember, always, you know, the patient is the patient. You have to look at the patient, not at the machines. You got to get this book. It's Catherine Dubrino, and you can tell just by listening to Catherine that uh, she's got all those great qualities that we all love in nurses that we deal with in important times in our lives. The book is One Tuesday Morning. Catherine, how can we get it? Well, I know they're selling it on Amazon.com. That's the easiest way to get it. Huh? Amazon.com, you just type in One Tuesday Morning. Or maybe your name is even better, because I know there's, there was a series with, with that name as well. But, uh, yeah. Yes, it's after my name, the book will come up. Well, thank you very much. Great luck again. And people, it's great to, once again, remember, uh, it's not something we celebrate, but it's something we don't want to forget, 9-11. And you can do it best by reading the book one Tuesday morning. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you so much. Be well. Please follow Vegas Never Sleeps on all social media platforms, including X, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks for listening today. This is Stephen Manchi reminding you, Vegas Never Sleeps. Vegas, here we go! Let's go to Vegas.
If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. Ouch! Well, by wearing a small remote device called a Continuous Glucose Monitor, or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers. If you administer insulin three or more times per day or use an insulin pump, call now and learn how a CGM can help you. Painless. No more pricking my finger. No finger pricks. Convenience. They delivered it free and they took care of all the paperwork. You can reduce pain right away. Plus, it's accurate, easy to use, and helps you spend more time in range. And if you have insurance, you can get a new CGM at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Call now and get free shipping of your new CGM. Plus, we'll bill your insurance for you. 800-483-7217. That's 800-483-7217. Holy gentle giants dog food, Batman. I'm Burt Ward, Robin from the Batman TV series. I was the caped crusader, and now I'm the canine crusader. After rescuing and feeding 15,500 dogs for 23 years, my wife and I created a natural, low-fat, heart-healthy, made-in-America dog food and special feeding and care program designed to help all dogs live amazingly longer, healthier, happier lives. Our dogs are living as long as 27 healthy, active years. Yours can, too. That's twice their normal lifespan and triple for some breeds. Would you like your dog to live as long as 27 years and still be active and healthy? Gentle Giants Dog Food is complete nutrition for all dogs and puppies, all ages and sizes, and is different from other dog foods without the greasy coating and high fat content that can shorten your dog's life. Try our Gentle Giants life-enhancing dog food for the longer, healthier, happier life of your dog. I am a non-attorney spokesperson representing a team of lawyers who've helped people that have been injured or wronged. Have you been diagnosed with cancer? Do you use pesticides in your job? Specifically Roundup. Roundup, made by Monsanto, contains a chemical called glyphosate, which has been linked to cancer. If you've used Roundup and you have cancer, you may be entitled to a cash award. Over $10 billion has been set aside to pay users of Roundup who've been diagnosed with cancer. Time is almost running out out to file your claim. So if you've been diagnosed with cancer and you've used Roundup, call the legal helpline now. You could receive a free cash award and have your medical expenses covered. And time to file is almost gone, so please call right now. 800-481-5621. 800-481-5621. That's 800-481-5621. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Today's film was made in 1955 by the French master of suspense, Henri-Georges Clouseau. Diabolique stars the beautiful French actress Simone Signoret and Vera Clouseau, the director's wife. Do not confuse this genuine thriller with the far less intense Hollywood remake with Sharon Stone. Clouseau financed his film based on earlier success with The Wages of Fear, a thriller about a team of truck drivers commissioned to deliver a convoy of nitroglycerin across the Andes. Both films were internationally acclaimed and have been widely imitated. Sadly, Vera Clouseau died of a heart attack five years after completion of Diabolique, and her husband went into a dark depression, ending his brilliant career. Diabolique is set in a French boarding school. It's a delicious irony and study in evil set against the spirited energy of the school's innocent young children. 
The wife and mistress of a sadistic headmaster conspire to drown him in the bathtub and dispose of his body in the school's swimming pool. But when the pool is drained in a desperate search for the missing man, it is empty. A suspenseful series of increasingly frightening events ensues, building to an unbearable tension in the two women until... But then, we shouldn't tell you that, should we? Diabolique. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Visit us on the web at www.indiefilmminute.com. Do you have a car sitting around you want to get rid of? Then here's a great idea. Donate your car and help veterans and their families. Yes, one fast call to the Veteran Car Donation Program and we'll come and remove your car for free. Fast, free towing and 24-hour response. You can donate most cars, trucks, or SUVs in most conditions. The proceeds raised goes to help active military, veterans, and their families, and you get a tax deduction. All you need to do is make this free call. Get rid of that old car and help the vets. We make it easy. Make this free call now and book your fast and easy pickup. Call the Veteran Donation Program now. Donate your car and help veterans and their families. Operators are standing by. Here's the number. 800 932 1176 800 800-932-1176. 800-932-1176. That's 800-932-1176.